All right, so we're doing Nehemiah, and uh, we're in the fourth week of going through the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. And in the events of uh, this part of the Bible, we're going to see ourselves. We can hang out, don't I? Do you want me to switch microphones? I know, I can't go too far. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to do this. Be smarter than the problem. All right. Okay. What did I get to? So we're doing, we're looking at Nehemiah, right? So this is in the, the 5th century BC, and uh, God's people at this time were illiterate to his word. They've been exiled, and they were following pagan practices, really hopeless, and during this hopeless time, God raises up Nehemiah, this great hero of faith. And uh, he is the, the cupbearer. Thank you, Taylor. Hand for Taylor, everyone. <laughs> Nehemiah is the cupbearer of King Artaxerxes. And uh, Artaxerxes is the ruler of the Persian Empire at the time. And, you know, with a name like that, you also think that he really should try getting casted for the next Dune movie. But... Nehemiah is uh, God's hero for the moment, God's man of faith, and faced great obstacles, one of the most impossible times, really, of Israel's history. And he led God's people, uh, really, through this monumental time after they'd been exiled. So let me give you full context again. I've been doing this each week, but bear with me here. Not everyone knows the Bible, not everyone knows the story. So the context is God's people, the Israelites, they, kind of the, in their heyday, kind of the best moment, really, the highest point of their kingdom, they, kind of during the reign of King David and during his son Solomon partially, they were doing decent. Like, there's always problems in the Old Testament, but this is like the highlight. They were doing well, pursuing God's purposes, creating a just and righteous kingdom uh, on earth. But ultimately, they failed. And they fell really far from the place that they got to. And they started worshiping false gods. That was one of the big problems that they had. Disobeying God's word and worshiping these false gods, which are not, not gods at all. And they were tempted by and really jealous of the other nations around them. Wanted to be like everyone else. Isn't that the human problem? You just you look at everyone else and you're like, oh, you want to be just like them. And what they have, the, you know, the grass always looks greener kind of situation. And our God is just kind of like, we don't always like him. But these other gods look great, you know. And uh, so that's always the problem. And uh, they, so through that, they perpetuated great injustice. They were corrupt. Their kingdom was divided between uh, Israel and Judah. And because of this, because of the great evil they perpetuated, God judged them, and God sent foreign nations to conquer them, to exile them, to bring them out. And he sent, in particular, the Babylonians, and they were, there was a small remnant left behind in Jerusalem, but a huge amount of the people were basically captured, taken into exile, went to Babylon for 70 years. It makes 40 days and 40 nights seem like a walk in the park, right? So gone for 70 years, then after that period, God raises up a guy called Ezra. Several people started to return to Jerusalem, but Ezra's a big name. He was a scribe and a priest who helped reboot the temple and finish the temple off, rebuilding that. And then 13 years after Ezra, you have the events of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah basically hears reports that not only is Jerusalem still in great disrepair from the initial conquering, 
but the gates have recently been burned down and the walls have recently been destroyed as well. And so the people there are vulnerable. And so now Nehemiah is moved and we learned about his heart for prayer and fasting. He's seeking God in prayer and fasting. He's not just a man of faith, but a man of great action. We learned all these things. He's got this building project that he's basically got to start. He's secured lumber for this project. He's secured the resources and the letters he needs for access and for to give him the authority he needs to actually begin this um, endeavor. And we related that to ourselves, really, in this season of sacrificial giving that we've got this tangible community thing we're doing. We related that to ourselves, that we have our own building project and building plans and that we want to be doing this work for God in our day, in our time, in our generation. Today we're going to read from chapter 3, and let me set this up before we read it. I'm going to have my wife read this, actually. I've asked her to take this one on, and you'll understand why in a minute. But basically, this is a, this is a very different passage of Scripture. We're going to read the whole chapter. Bear with us. It's a long list. It's not very sexy. It's a long list of names and responsibilities. That's what it is. It's one of those parts of the Bible where you read it and you're like, all right, not sure exactly what to get out of this or what's going on here, but I've been, made, I've been able to put together a whole sermon based on this one chapter. So this is basically like a civil record that we have here. This is kind of a, a log that Nehemiah created that would be something that you'd find, like a government document that you'd find in like a library, or you went to, if you went to City Hall and you were rummaging around trying to find historical references to different people who've done different things, and this would be the kind of document you would find. It's a log entry of names and responsibilities of what people have done. In this passage, there's no mention of God empowering the people to do this. There's no mention of God's glory and the purposes and the spiritual aspect of this. There's no mention of any of that. This chapter is purely and only a record of human responsibility and human teamwork. Now, of course, all those things are going on in the background, but it doesn't mention them. It just lists out this is what the people are doing. So there's some great lessons for us that we're going to see in this. We're going to see that sometimes, just sometimes, people's actions and the steps that people take speak more than all the theological explanation that we could give that the hearts of God's people being faithful and trusting God and stepping out speaks far more than all the theological things, that fancy-sounding things that we could come up with. So let's pray, and then we're going to read. Jesus, help us today. Help us to concentrate and focus as we read this long passage of names and responsibilities. But help us find our names in this list. Help us see ourselves in this. Lord, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. My, my amazing wife, everybody. I said yes to read this before I read it, and then I had regret. <laughs> so bear with me. Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated it as far as the Tower of the Hundred, as far as the Tower of Hananel. And next to him, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zachor, the son of Imri, built. The sons of Hesena built the fish gate. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts and its bars. And next to them, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, son of Hakaz, repaired. And next to them, Hashulam, the son of Berechiah, son of Meshezabel, repaired. And next to them, Zadok, the son of 
Behana repaired, and next to them the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles would not stoop to serve the Lord. Joyada, the son of Paseah, and Meshulam, the son of Besodiah, repaired the gate of Heshanah. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts and its bars, and next to them repaired Melatiah, the Gibeonite, and Jadon, the Maranathite, the men of Gibeon and of Mizpah, the seat of the governor of the province beyond the river. Next to them, Uziel, the son of Haraheah, goldsmiths repaired. Next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers, repaired, and they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Next to them, Rephaiah, the son of Herher, excuse me, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired. Next to them, Judea, the son of Harum, Harumhaf, repaired opposite his house. And next to him, Hattish, the son of Hashabniah, repaired. Malchijah, the son of Haram, and Hasab, the son of Pehoth Moab, repaired. Another section, and the Tower of the Ovens. I wonder if Grant could bake bread in the Tower of the Ovens. Next to him, Shalem, the son of Halohesh, ruler of... I just got to say, Halohesh is a great name. I looked up the pronunciation. Halohesh. It, pro, it doesn't mean hi, but... It's, okay. Ruler of half the district of Jerusalem repaired. He and his daughters. Woo! Hanan and the inhabitants of Zenoa repaired the valley gate. They rebuilt it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars, and repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the dung gate. Malchijah, the son of Rechab, ruler of the district of Bathak-Huram, repaired the dung gate. He rebuilt it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And Shalem, the son of Kolhazel, ruler of the district of Mizpah, repaired the fountain gate. He rebuilt it and covered it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And he built the wall of the pool of Shelah of the king's garden, as far as the stairs go down from the city of David. After Nehemiah, the son of Azbuk, ruler of half the district of Bethzur, repaired to a point opposite the tombs of David, as far as the artificial pool and as far as the house of the mighty men. After him, the Levites repaired. Reham, the son of Bani, next to him, Hashabiah, ruler of half the district of Keliah, repaired for his district. After him, their brothers repaired. Uh, Bavi, Bavi, excuse me, the son of Henadad, ruler of half the district of Keilah. Next to him, Ezer, the son of Jeshua, ruler of Mizpah, repaired another section opposite the ascent to the army at the buttress. After him, Barak, the son of Zabi, Zabai, excuse me, repaired another section from the buttress to the door of the house of Eliashib, the high priest. After him, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, son of Hakaz, repaired another section from the door of the house of Eliashib to the end of the house of Eliashib. After him, the priests, the men of the surrounding area, repaired. After them, Benjamin, thank you, Benjamin, for having an easy name, and Hashab repaired opposite their house. After them, Azariah, the son of Messiah, the son of Ananiah, repaired beside his own house. After him, Benui, the son of Hinnadad, repaired another section from the house of Azariah to the buttress and to the corner. Pelal, the son of Uzai, repaired opposite the buttress and the tower projecting from the upper house of the king at the court of the guard. After him, Padea, the son of Perosh, and the temple servants living on Ophel, repaired 
to a point opposite the water gate on the east and the projecting tower. After him, the Tekoites repaired another section opposite the great projecting tower as far as the wall of Ophel. Above the horse gate, the priest repaired, each one opposite his own house. After them, Zadok, the son of Immer, repaired opposite his own house. After him, Shemayu, the son of Shechaniah, the keeper of the east gate, repaired. After him, Hananiah, the son of Shelemiah, and Hanan, the sixth son of Zalaph, repaired another section. After him, Meshelam, the son of Berechiah, repaired opposite his chamber. After him, Malkajai, one of the goldsmiths, repaired as far as the house of the temple servants and of the merchants opposite the muster gate. Into the upper chamber of the corner, and between the upper chamber of the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants repaired. We made it! Yay! I've got to go take a nap now. I'm good. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> what we see here is we see this amazing, I'm going to move this table back because I like it over here more. Excuse me, just rearranging the furniture. Something my wife does all the time, actually. So we see this amazing amount of organization that's going on. Uh, an impressive amount, organizing all these people to have all these responsibilities and to work together to want towards one goal and one mission. Immediately, at the beginning of, of chapter 3, we see the first group that responds are the priests. The priests. These are the clergy, right? They're not blue-collar people. They're not people with construction skills, but this work is not beneath them. They seem to be very eager. They're forthright. They're very... Um, direct and very assertive in their enthusiasm of jumping straight into this project. They're not afraid to swing a hammer. No one's getting paid for this. This is not a career move for anyone. No one's uh, are doing this to, to, to benefit themselves in any way. This is the task that needs to be done. This is what has to be done at this moment, and everyone knew it. Everyone knew we've all got a band together to make this happen. Some lessons for us that we can learn, that we can immediately apply to ourselves from this, that no task should be beneath us. No task should be beneath us. We should be willing, like these priests, to, to, to roll up our sleeves and to get some dirt under our nails. I know that's annoying for some of us, but to get to, to, to sweat a little bit, to to do whatever it takes to achieve God's mission and God's purposes. When there's a task at hand, when God's people are being called together to, to work together on a, a shared mission, say, I've got to be open and willing. If, if perfumers, it mentioned the perfumers in the passage, if the perfumers can lug around some, some big, large rocks and dig and get dirty and all that kind of stuff, surely we can also learn, no matter who we are, no matter what we do, hey, I can learn to, to swing a hammer. If, we're, if, if that's the project, so the project is rebuilding a wall, fixing a gate, yeah, okay, I can, I can learn to do that. If, even if I'm serving alongside somebody, because these priests are serving alongside craftsmen, you know, people who do this for a living, they know what they're doing, and it could be embarrassing, like, well, we're a little slower at this, you know, it takes us a little bit longer, and I keep hitting my thumb, and this is, you know, just not used to this kind of work. The amazing thing we can learn from this is say it doesn't matter if I'm skilled or qualified to do the thing that God is calling his people to do. The important thing is my attitude and my mindset to say, I'll pitch in. It's going to take all of us. We, 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 you know, without each one of us, how could it be built? How can the work be achieved? We all throw our lot in and 
and, and, and participate. The wonderful thing about God's work is when we engage in God's work, when we make progress in God's work, yes, we might start off doing things that aren't quite suited to our giftings or our passions, but as we get some of the work, some of the foundational work complete, that enables people to then specialize, to then move into areas that, oh, this is my passion, this is what I care about, this is, these are, this is how I can use my particular gifts and skills. But you have to start with, you have to, like Nehemiah, you have to kind of organize things. What's the most important thing? Well, we've got to get these gates together. We've got to get this wall together. And this doesn't get easier. No, think about this. Think about building a wall. You know, when you start low, you're like, all right, you know, we're just kind of moving stuff here. But once it gets above your body height, it gets harder because you, you have to load things up higher. So this work, this, this is one of the things that really spoke to me about this passage is you, you hope and you long for like calmer waters and like, you know, surely if you put a lot of work in, isn't it supposed to get easier over time? And this is an example of a project that once it's complete, yes, yes, it's done. But actually, as it goes on, it just gets harder. Because there's a thing called gravity. Gravity. What a pain. It's a gravity problem. Gravity problems are problems that are really hard to overcome. Because no one's figured out how to, like, you know, anti-gravity, right? Star Trek, it's a dream. You know, it's a dream to have anti-gravity. But uh, maybe one day, maybe one day we'll have anti-gravity. I'm working on that. I'm trying to actually figure that out. I haven't figured it out yet. But... The point is that we can all play a part in this process. We've got different skills, different giftings, but we can all find something to do. And these priests, what's cool for these priests is, at the beginning here, the priests take on the sheep gate. And the sheep gate, uh, so they're not blue-collar people. They're people of the cloth, people, you know, the clergy people, the religious people. They're the people that are doing the sacrificial system and, and, and worshiping God and doing all that important work. And, but they're going to repair the sheep gate. And what's cool about that is, that's going to enable them to restart the, the, the sacrificial system, restart the worship system in Jerusalem for the Israelites, for God's people. So it's building the gate might not be their bag. It may not be their thing that they're jazzed about, but they, they can get jazzed about this gate because, well, once we get that done, then we can restart this sacrificial process. We can bring the sheep in, the sheep gate. Everyone was jazzed about it except for the sheep. Sheep, not, not so much. At the end of Nehemiah, we see, so they actually, they dedicate this sheep gate to the Lord. And then at the end of Nehemiah, we see a city-wide dedication where, so spoiler alert, at the end of the book of Nehemiah, they complete the work. And they, if you didn't guess already, that's, they get it done, which is great. So um, they, and there's a city-wide dedication. They, 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 they have songs and a procession, and they, they, they dedicate the whole city to God. And here we see a little bit of a glimpse of it initially, that these, these priests, as they complete this sheep gate, they dedicate it to God. What we can learn from this is, yes, there are ceremonial times where publicly we commit our work to the Lord, and we, we declare we're doing this for God. This is our purpose. We're doing this for the Lord. That, and there are different ways we publicly can do that and, and honor each other and, and honor God. Uh, but really, those ceremonies, are they're, they're really pointless if our hearts aren't really in the right place, if we're not doing it for the right reasons. They're kind of meaningless. They're shallow. And so a dedication to God, doing something that's truly dedicated to God, is about actually our hearts. Is my heart in this? Do I see the purpose and the importance of rebuilding? And our church, like many churches, you know, we've come out of the pandemic. We lost a lot of ground, a lot of setbacks, a lot of challenges. And now, okay, we've got to rebuild. 
is, and we've got to dedicate it to the Lord. First and foremost, before we get to any ceremonial dedications, we've got to ask ourselves, is my heart, is my attitude focused on doing, dedicating doing this for the Lord? When we see the priests, um, th- their initial response is actually really crucial to understand here. Uh, because they're, they're, they're gung-ho, you know, they're, they're, they're very quick to stand up and be counted and say, we're just going to, we're going to be the first group that's going to go first. We're going to get going with this work. We care about it. And that's so crucial because that kind of faith and that kind of courage spreads. Courage spreads, right? Strength inspires strength. And it's so important that if you're somebody like this, if you're somebody, you get the vision, you, you understand the importance of it, you feel the weight of, yeah, we've we, we got to take action, we've got to get into this, this, is, this matters, this is important. If that's you, it's so important that you do what the priest did here at the beginning of chapter 3 and step out and put your hand, wave your hand first and say, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'll take on something, I'll do it, I'm going to be all in. It's so important we do that. It, it, it's, it's, it's like that feeling you get whenever you see Dwayne Johnson's neck and you, you see that Dwayne Johnson's neck, the rock's neck, right? And you, and you, you see that, that and you just, it just gives you boldness. You just, you just think anything's possible. Anything could happen. And you almost feel like your own neck is like getting, you know, it's like, wow, something's happening here. I'm like, it's just like that. The, the, the enthusiasm that the people have doesn't seem to, you know, it seems disproportionate to the challenge they face. This is an enormous challenge. And their level of enthusiasm, the amount of people, I mean, just going through that list, going through that chapter and seeing these people stepped up and these people stepped up and this is what they did and they did this and they did this. It's like, wow, the, these, they all came together. They were all into it. This is incredible. The reason this, this matters is because, like I said, faith spreads. In the same way that faith spreads, and it's, it, I almost wonder if the faith of the priests at the beginning being so quick to, to jump in, if, if that had a big effect, that spread, that courage spread to the other people and multiplied. Because a little bit later on, I think it was in verse 7 roughly, they, or verse 5 actually it is, there, there are some naysayers, right? So naysayers, almost, it's almost like reminds me of the time um, before in the Bible where they spy out the land and people come back with a bad report. But they don't have faith. They're saying, oh, oh there's giants in the land. And that kind of negative faith just kind of like spreads, spreads disillusionment amongst God's people. And so it's important to realize you might be the only person that sees what God can do. You have faith. You're in a group of people. You might be one of the only people that actually believes and can see what God can do and can see the way ahead. And if that's you at any point, it's so important that you go first, like these priests, and you say, I'm all in. I'm going to jump in. Because you know that there can always also be a smaller group, one or two or more, depending on the size of the group, of naysayers. And you see it in verse 7, sorry, verse 5, excuse me. It says, and next to them, the Tekoites repaired. Am I saying that right? Tekoites. <laughs> totally wrong. That's why I had you do this. <laughs> the Tekoites repaired. But their nobles would not stoop to serve their Lord. Boo-hoo. The... The word uh, lords there probably means supervisors. So what's happening here is Nehemiah, you know, is kind of the head supervisor, right? Or lord, and who's in charge of this, this project. And then he's got some kind of people who are working under him, who he's delegated regions and sections to, some other supervisors. But you've got these nobles who are a part of this particular group who feel like, well, our nobility 
means that we're superior to you, aren't we? We're ab- we shouldn't be taking orders from you. I mean, this is just naked pride. This is naked arrogance and a feeling of superiority. And so it should cause us to check our own hearts and say, you know, we want to be those of faith who go first and say, yes, yes to God, quickly say, I've got the faith, because that, that courage spreads, you know? You just so, show the, you know, you make your neck look as wide as possible, and people get it. People start to see what, what God can do. But then you've got these naysayers, and thankfully these naysayers actually don't have any negative effect in God's people at this time. It's, it's, it's not enough to, to stop the work. There's other opposition that does come. We'll look at that in future weeks. There's other internal and external opposition, as always we should expect. But thankfully, even though these nobles are refusing to get involved, these kinds of people, because the project matters so much, because it's so important, really, you have to sideline them. You have to just get on with the work and say, you know what, there's always going to be somebody who's just, you know, they're just going to spoil the water a little bit. They're just going to be negative. There's not much we can do about it. We're just going to ignore them. The other, thankfully, the people of this group actually got on and did the work, even though the nobles were beyond it. They were, it was, it was, it was worth work that was beneath them. And uh, that's a big lesson for us. Is there any pride? Is there anything in us that's like, oh, I'm too good for this? Or why does that person get to call the shots? Or why is that, why is that happening? Any of those kind of attitudes, we have to always ask ourselves, what, why is that in there? What's going on? I don't want to be like the, I don't want to end up having a verse written about me. You know, man, that sucks, doesn't it, to be those people? <laughs> it's in the Bible forever. So there's that. But also, for some reason that some people don't really, you know, there's the people that wave their hands and like the priest and say, yeah, 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 I'm going to jump in. Then there are others who just don't get involved or don't sign up for God's work because they just haven't been asked. Some people just need to be asked. And that's, that's really the only reason. Like, they're willing. They want to do it. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're willing. You just need to be asked. You're not, you're not the person with the, all the enthusiasm to jump in and say, I've got faith. I'll do it. You just need to be asked. And so today, I want to do kind of what Nehemiah did with all the people and basically pulled them together and said, hey, you take on this responsibility. Let's get this supervisor over this section and this supervisor over this section and organize, reorganize ourselves to get all the work done. There's a lot of work to get done. So here's my Nehemiah ask to you. Would you pick up a hammer, get a little dirty and a little sweaty, roll up your sleeves and play a part. Say, it's going it's to take all of us. It's gonna take all, we're in a time of rebuilding. All churches are facing this right now, and our church is no different. Let's, let's return. Let's restore. This is part of returning to God is acts of service for others for the bigger purpose of glorifying God and serving God. But you know, it's so easy. You know, when these things come up, I know if I'm on the other side of this, you know, it's easy for me to make excuses, right? And it's easy for all of us to, to, to make all kinds of excuses of reasons why maybe we can't get involved. Maybe we're nobles, so we're, we're above it. Or maybe we're just busy, we feel busy, or, you know, we don't have the bandwidth for it, or I don't know what, I, what, what to do, or, um, you know, uh, I'm shy, um, I live too far away, you know, I'm allergic to hammers, um, I don't like Matt's jokes. Um, that one's particularly unsanctified uh, to anyone who would conclude that. Whatever it may be, it's easy. You know, we're all human, right? We all do this. We all, we all think this way. Let me point out to you something amazing from verse 13 that actually speaks to this issue. Verse 13, it talks about the inhabitants of Zenoa. Am I saying that right, Zenoa? You think, right? You don't know. <laughs> it says they repaired the valley gate. Now, these people, they lived 13 miles uh, southeast of Jerusalem. 
and they were given the responsibility of repairing one of the gates and, and a 1,500-foot section of the wall. Now, if you compare this to other people in the chapter who it says that they, they, their responsibility was to repair the thing that was across from where they lived, right? <laughs> it's like, their house is here, the damage is here. It's like, great, I can just walk across and start working there. That's very convenient. Thank you. You know, it's a real test when it's inconvenient, isn't it? When God asks you to serve in a way that's inconvenient. It's a royal pain in the rear end. And these Zenoas basically, you know, they don't have car- They live 13 miles away, and they've got to build 1,500 feet of the wall. They don't have cars. You know, not, there's not a Home Depot close by. They can just get supplies and, like, have people even deliver it. You know, they don't have any of those kind of services. They've just... They got, a muscle, they got a hustle. They got to do a kingdom hustle here. And I think it's, you know, the example of people like this, when we see people step up and it's inconvenient and it, it's harder for them, I, I hope that the barriers that we have in our heads to playing a bigger part and saying, you know, God's put something in me that he wants to use to be a blessing to others and to be a part of the solution. That if we're resistant to that, we're holding back from that. I hope that the example of others, of those who have big barriers, that when we look at their barriers, it should make our excuses kind of melt away. I say, you know what? Others have done more. And the, I'm, I'm just kind of being a little, I don't know, probably just being self-centered about this. And I've got to get a breakthrough. I've got to figure this out. Or, you know, some of the, you know, look, we're all human. We, I understand this. It's, it's easy to think this way or to want to just take care of our own lives. And that's the, the, the place we've been in the last couple of years, right? It's just been like, let's just, you just stay indoors all the time by yourself doing nothing and just, you know, going online and looking to see what everyone else is doing, right? It's an awful way to live. It's, an, it's, a, it's a terrible way to live. I think we're going to look back and realize people are already saying it, but like the lockdowns were like a mistake, right? They didn't really help that much. They didn't work as well as we hoped. And they had massive mental health problems that they created for lots of people. We need each other. And God has a mission and a purpose for us. Now, as it relates to the idea of, well, I'm not very skilled, or I don't know if, you know, I don't know exactly know what to do, or how could I play a part in God's mission and the ministry of, of a church, even like Trinity Church, how would that work? In these passages, we see craftsmen. So obviously, we already saw the priests who are doing some 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 blue collar work, right? It's not beneath them. This is, hey, this is this work matters. I just want to say this: blue collar work is the work that lets all the other work happen, right? We realize that, right? Because we're in a culture that kind of like looks down sometimes on those kinds of people, and that's totally wrong. That's elitist and disrespectful. Because, you know, the white-collar people who are, you know, yeah, they're doing some pretty advanced stuff at times. The, a lot of I, some stuff, I have no clue what it is. And that's great, and their work is important too. But without the people getting the electricity working and getting the water working and getting all the roads built and all this stuff, they, none of those other people could do any of those other jobs. And so we have to, we have to honor. We have, we're all playing a part. God's gifted us and given us different, different responsibilities and different giftings, and we all have got to value each other and all work together. But notice, there's craftsmen mentioned here, but there's no master carpenters mentioned. I guess Joseph and Jesus were on vacation. They're away. Oh, actually, they hadn't been born yet, of course. Also, no professional block layers, no architects mentioned. There's no, like, higher-level skilled people mentioned here. It seems that everyone, they're either a priest or a kind of a, more of a common laborer that's involved in this. No higher-level skills, yet they all give themselves to this quite serious, quite important work. They were happy to engage in it. And I think, and this would have been back-breaking work. I mean, this would have been really exhausting 
day after day. This would have not been like a short little weekend, like we'll just do a weekend and do. This would have been a long project taking quite a, quite a while to, to achieve together. And their enthusiasm and the fact that they get it all done and they all work together, it really shows that their heart, their attitudes that were in the right place. They had faith, they trusted God. And this is this amazing combination you see of not just the heart of the people willing to willing to serve, but you also see the, the kind of leadership gift in, in Nehemiah, the, the organization from Nehemiah. Nehemiah is not mentioned in this chapter. Actually, there is one Nehemiah that's mentioned, I think, but it's a different Nehemiah. It's not our Nehemiah. It's a different, someone with the same name. But Nehemiah doesn't mention himself in this. He points to everyone else. And that's a powerful lesson in that. If you're ever in a leadership role, you, know, you always have to realize like, it's the whole team. It's the whole team that counts. Everyone's got a place and a part to play and honor everyone in this. And everyone, everyone's position matters. Because we know how toxic, how toxic and how terrible and how destructive it is when when things go bad in a group of people, where there's not that honoring and that understanding that we're all a part, we're all playing an important part, and we all must play a part, otherwise the work won't get done. And the fact that Nehemiah makes this like a public record, the fact this is like some kind of civil log, this is kind of some, some kind of like government document, it's like a big giant thank you letter to God's people. But Nehemiah is honoring them. Because most, most events in the Bible, you don't have this level, anywhere near this level of detail. I mean, you have some passages that list out names, and it's normally like genealogies of like this person is the son of this person, is, you know, all those kind of things, right? You've got that stuff. But a lot of the other events in Scripture, you just don't have anything like this. And this is just honoring. It's amazing. And so I want to take a minute here. This is going to be my longest sermon ever because it's going to because the chapter was long, and this is going to... Anyway, it doesn't matter. I don't care. We're just going to go over time today. We've got popcorn afterwards to sustain you if you're exhausted from this sermon today. Popcorn. Say what? And coffee. And the coffee. That's right. So I want to honor and thank um, some people in our church today. So I'm not going to... I can't do everybody, but I want to do some key people who have been around, who are real pillars in our church, and really helped us build the church over the years and stuck with us through thick and thin. And uh, I want to start off by actually honoring my wife. Would you, would you, sta <laughs> would you stand up? <laughs> so, all right. So, look at that. People can't, hold, people can't help themselves. So this... <laughs> that's true. <laughs> She's worthy of lots of honor. So, okay, we can't do it. Stay standing up. Stay standing up. We can't do a clap for... Would say, let's do a group clap for everyone at the end, all right? Because if we do an individual clap for every person, it'll take forever. And, and, and we want the popcorn, desperately want the popcorn, right? So um, I just want to say to you, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your commitment. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for obeying God. Thank you for supporting me, even in my darkest moments. And we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. All right, I know everyone wants to clap again, but just hold it back for now, all right? We wouldn't be here. I honor you for all the work. You've been involved in so many areas of ministry. You've been involved in the kids' ministry in the past. You've been involved in worship. We need to get you back on the worship team. You've been involved in so many. You've done so many other things in our church over the years. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you, so be honored. I want to thank the Goodells. Did the Goodells, did, did, did Kemeny just walk out? We've got Isaac. Isaac, would you stand up? 
stay standing, Isaac. Isaac, stay standing. I want to honor your family. You know what? Let's wait. Maybe they'll come back in, actually. He's shaking his head. He won't stand. <laughs> um, Zach, you want to go and see if they're out there somewhere? Grandma, Grandma Goodell is here as well. We honor, hey, we've got to honor the grandmas as well. Mother's Day's coming up. We'll be getting honored out the wazoo for that. All right. So um, who's next? Who do I have next in my head? I, have, I, want to, I actually want to thank Zach. Zach, would you stand up? And obviously, Zach and Alice. Allison's not here today. Hold the applause. Hold the applause. Um, I just want to honor you and thank you. Thank you for what you've done with Audio Tech. And you guys have been involved in so many areas as well. And Allison's leading a group this semester. And uh, it's just amazing to see what you guys have done over the years and just your faithfulness and your obedience to God. And I think about with the pandemic, a lot of churches had to get really techie. We, we already had some techie stuff. We had to get more techie. And Zach, without you, we wouldn't be here. We, we, we really, I mean that, like we wouldn't be here without you. So thank you, I honor you. Thank you for all uh, that you've done. I want to thank the Yodas. Where are the Yodas? Will you guys stand up? Well, we already got one standing up, two standing up, and I've got three standing up. Um, thank you guys for your leadership. Thank you for your courage as well, the faith that you've displayed. And you guys are definitely people that stick your hands up and wave and say, I'm in, help me, count me in. And uh, that's, God uses that so much. So I honor you, and I thank you for what you've done. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you guys, all right? Um, who's next? I'm going to lose my... my, my uh, Merrick, where are you? Stand up, Merrick. Stand up. So I want to hold the applause, please. I know. We're eager to, eager to applause, applaud everyone. Thank you. I know you. You've been on staff in the past. You've uh, been overseeing our worship for a really long time. You've done a lot. You've been involved in lots of different things in the church over the years, leading small groups. Um, you know, God has put a leadership gift in you. And there's more in you that could come out as well. But there's, you've done so much over the years for our church. You've been so generous, so encouraging to our family. Thank you for everything you've done. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. You've been a huge pillar for us. So thank you. I honor you for all that you've done. Um, are the Hex here today or are they online? Maybe the Hex are online. I saw them yesterday. But if you're online, stand up. Stand up. <laughs> and I just want to thank you guys. You guys joined, more recently joined the audio team. And you guys oversee the benevolence ministry that we have, of course, and um, involved in groups and so many other ways. And just such generous, faithful people. Thank you, Miles and Nina. You guys are amazing. I hope you're watching this or you watch this in the future. Um, where are the Browns? Browns, stand up. Thank you, guys, for your heart for worship, everything you've done in our worship, with our worship team, everything you poured in. I feel there's so many things. People have been around for so long and done so many different things. I, I can't come up with a whole list of everything everyone's done. But you guys have done a lot. But also just your presence has done a lot and your faithfulness. Thank you for obeying God. Thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for sticking with me. That means a lot to me. I'm blessed to know you guys. I'm better for knowing you guys. Thank you for all you've done. We're better for, for knowing you and for having you in our church. And I honor you. And I thank you. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you guys. You guys are an integral part of what God has done and doing here. All right, I'm starting to cry too. Oh, geez. All right. Are the locks here today? I haven't seen, I saw them yesterday, but not today. All right. Locks, if you're at home, stand up. Or if you're watching this, if you watch this in the future, just you have to stand up. Whatever you do, you have to stand up. Um, but thank you for your leadership in groups and kids' ministry and your faithfulness and generous. You guys, I honor you and thank you so much for everything you've done. We wouldn't be here without you guys. The Austins, where are the Austins? We've got Taylor. Taylor, you have to stand up. Is Natasha in the house somewhere? She's downstairs. All right. Watching over kids. Well, thank you to you guys. Obviously, thank you. Taylor, for everything you've done with answering all my technical text messages, like, how do you make this thing work with this other thing? And uh, 
but thank you for everything you've done. You guys have been amazing. Obviously, Natasha, you know, was on staff as well, doing kids ministry at one point, and just you guys have poured yourselves into our church, and we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you guys. I honor you, and I thank you. You guys are a huge blessing to me and to so many people. Tiffany's, where are you guys? You guys stand up. Just Greg today. <laughs> Is Andrea watching online? Andrea, stand up. You have to stand up as well. Um, Greg and Andrea, your leadership and uh, your coaching of small groups has been amazing, both of you, and uh, just your faithfulness and uh, your, obviously your friendship as well over the years. But uh, I just think about, I mean, there's, again, there's so many things you guys have done. One big thing that Greg's in charge of, thank you, Greg, for your responsibility with being our building manager. Like, we couldn't do this if it wasn't for you. You are just, you're one of the smartest guys I know. You're like, he is, if you, if you ever watch Star Trek Next Generation, you know Data, the character Data. This is Data in real life. This is Greg, except, except Greg has an emotion chip, so he's a real person. <laughs> but you can ask Greg any question, and I swear he has the power to Google it in his mind to give you the correct answer for it. But... I honor you, Greg, and I honor you, Andrea. I honor you guys. Thank you. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you guys. Purdue's are not here today either, but I want to thank the Purdue's. Um, Brian took on leading our photography, or starting a photography team, like out of the pandemic. It was a new team, and Aaron's been involved in worship for so long and been involved in groups and so many things. So thank you, Purdue's. You guys have been rock stars. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. We honor you. I want to thank the Suz as well, Kelly and Sung. And uh, Kelly's been around for a long time, involved in lots of different leadership things. I know Sung has been involved in facilitation. And, but you guys have been faithful, generous, and just your presence is a blessing to us. If you guys are watching online, we honor you and we thank you. I want to thank everyone that joined our visual tech team. We had to get very techy out of the pandemic. And I want to thank Marina, Darren, Brian, and Taylor again. If you, you guys are here, would you guys stand up here? As well, Brian's back there. Brian, stand up. Marina. Where's Marina? Stand up, Marina. Where's Marina? Stand up, Marina. Da is Darren, Darren's right. Actually, McCray, you stand up too, you little punk. <laughs> Thank you, guys. We had to scramble to get technology together to figure out the whole live streaming thing. We had to build a team from scratch. Basically, our tech team just disappeared overnight. <laughs> we had to rebuild it from scratch. And you guys, actually, Jones, if you're at home, you've got to stand up too. And uh, for, to include all of my kids, because all my kids need to be included, Paisley, you need to stand up too if you're watching from home. Are they watching from home today? You don't know? <laughs> they're all sick, so they're at home today. Uh, but um, I want to thank Paisley for reading my scriptures and for helping us with Finley and also Jones for helping with our visual tech team. But thank you, Marina. Thank you, McCray. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Darren. Thank you, Taylor, as well, for helping with the visual tech team. And uh, without you guys, we wouldn't be doing this. Um, Cole and Mary, would you guys stand up? Cole and Mary, stand up. You guys took on, and you guys, I made you guys very busy today. Sorry about that. I gave you guys, they had to do coffee. They're handing out these new Connect cards. They're doing the serving fair stuff afterwards, doing all kinds of things. All right. So um, counting team as well, all kinds of different things today. So thank you, guys. I want to honor you guys. I, you know, people were watching online during the pandemic, and I was like, who's all still with us? What's going on? I don't know anything anymore. And when we came out of it, you guys were like, We've been with it the whole time, and like we're just we're still with it. And um, then you jumped into welcome team experience and leading that team, and I was just like, it was just a gift to me at that moment. Like I was like, thank you, God, these faithful, amazing people. We wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for you guys. You guys have been a huge part of this, and I just want to honor you and thank you for everything that you've done, taking on that responsibility as well. The Sams, you guys stand up. 
Yeah, hold the applause, hold the applause. <laughs> Natalie, uh, I mean, you guys do a ton as well. You guys are big first, like, hands up waving. We'll do it, we'll do it. Count us in, faith people. Uh, Natalie, thank you for all the justice work that you've done in our church with Share the Grace and the prison ministry. And Andrew, thank you so much for your leadership. You guys leading groups. Thank you for serving on the facilitation team, baptism set up, like all these little things. Like, you guys have been amazing. Without you guys, we wouldn't be here. You guys have been an integral part of what we're doing. I want to thank Gay Durst. Would you stand up? Hold on, hold on. I know you want to thank her. And I apologize. I'm not going to get to everyone. I can't get to everyone. But uh, Gay, I just want to thank you for stepping out and stepping up to lead our online hosting. And I know that's really out of your comfort zone. But you were like one of our most faithful like online people. And I was like, you, you seem like the perfect person to do this. And you've stepped into it just the right heart and the right attitude. And that's what we're looking for. That's what Jesus is looking for you know, in us, that heart attitude. And I see that in you. And thank you so much for your help and what you've done. Bless you. Everyone else, would everyone stand up now? Just the Godel's back in the room. All right. Well, Godel's, if anyone's watching from home, Adam and Akemini, or well, this is recorded now so you can rewatch it. But you guys, your heart for worship, your generosity over the years, your commitment to our church and our family, and we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the Goodell. So Isaac, you've got to tell your parents this, all right, that we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for your parents. You have amazing parents, all right? You're blessed to have your parents. So would everyone stand up? I want everyone to stand up. Everyone else, stand up. I'm going to include everybody else now, all right? Everyone, we're going to stand up. Okay. You're standing up. I want all you guys to be a part of what God is building here. You all play a part. You're all valuable. Even if you're here for the very first time, you're like, I don't know who these crazy people are. <laughs> you can play a part in this. You can, you can join the ranks and say, I want to be, just like I saw these people stand up, I want that to be my future. I want to be in that kind of place in the future where I'm being honored because I said yes to God and what he's doing. So, But will we thank everyone who's, who I honored? Will we give a round of applause? And... All right, you guys can sit down. You guys can take a seat. Thank you. Longest sermon ever. I got a few more things to do here. So we're doing the serving fair today, and I really want to encourage you, please don't just walk straight out the building and get on with your day unless you have something really super important you've got to go do, all right? You just, if you have a little bit of time, please stick around, eat some popcorn, and consider joining one of our serving teams at Trinity. There's three things I want to tell you about our serving teams, three expectations about our serving teams here. We've got this little slide we're going to put up. The first thing on this magical slide that will appear any second now. <laughs> we really need help on our visual tech team. So if anyone wants to sign up and help with that, that would really, really do a, do a tremendous thing. All right. So the first thing on our, uh, we've got three expectations. Could you give me a tissue? Do you mind? Thank you. All the tears made my nose run. All right. First uh, expectation is that we ask people who to commit to a serving team for initially uh, to commit to serve one to two times a month. All right. And through the pandemic, thank you, my amazing wife again, everybody. Could you mute me for a second? <laughs> Thank you for the mute. All right. Got to get my bearings here. So, some people through the pandemic are serving more than we would like, but 
rebuilding our teams, our expectation is that people would surf once or twice a month, and that's a healthy rhythm. That's a good, good amount of time to be serving, good rhythm, good, good frequency. We ask people for initially for a, a three to six month commitment, depending on the team. Some teams, well, like our kids' team is a little bit longer, but you have to do a background check, and it's a bit more complicated once we relaunch our kids' ministry. But we like to start new volunteers on our serving teams immediately with an end date, with like, hey, you serve for three months or six months. And the, the reason we like to do that is because if it's not the right fit for you, um, or it just doesn't work out for some reason, you can, at the end of that time, you can just say, hey, it was great, thank you, but I need to do something else, or I need to take a break, something like that. And that just creates a healthy expectation for people rather than feeling trapped or feeling bad, like, oh, I can't say no or can't ever change this, all right? And then the third thing we do is we do an orientation. So for every team, because one of the big hesitancies people have is like, well, how am I supposed to know what you're supposed to do on these teams? Like, these people are all experts. They're all doing this. What am I supposed to? How am I supposed to, to know? Well, we just do an orientation to run through the ropes. Say, this is how it works. This is what's involved. And then you get a chance to say if you want to jump in, you want to be committed to it at that point. All right? So we've got uh, seven serving teams today that are out. Uh, we've got stations in the lobby and people from those teams representing those teams. So we've got welcome experience. We've got, so there's another slide for this you can put up for our serving teams. Welcome experience, visual tech, audio tech, worship team, online hosting, facilitation, which is to do some stuff to do with the building, and then photography as well. And uh, those are the most immediate needs that we have as a church. So if we're taking a leaf, leaf from Nehemiah here, then, um, you know, the, the, the immediate work is, hey, let's build the wall, let's build the gates. So these serving teams are some of the most immediate needs that we have. They say, hey, help us fill up some of these serving opportunities. Now, some of these things still may not be exactly your thing. You might say, ah, oh, that still is not exactly the... There are other opportunities we have as well. So I want to go through a, a list real, here, real, real quick here of some other ways to be involved at Trinity. Please don't feel overwhelmed by this list. It might, all you have to keep an eye out for is the thing that matches the passion or the skill that God's given you that you can serve. You don't have to do all these things. You just have to pick one thing. So today the ask is take on a little responsibility. Take on a section of the wall. Say, yeah, I'll do that. That's, that's, that's across from my house. Or, yeah, I, I can do the 13 miles. I can do that. Whatever it may be, take this on. So the first thing here is being involved in our tangible community offering. And that's just giving, right? That's one way to get involved. Um, building accessibility. Um, we need to help people who have mobility problems, people in wheelchairs. We need, we need a ramp. We need um, an elevator. We need lift. We need, we need help figuring. We need anyone who's got any experience with this, come talk to me. Uh, we want to relaunch our kids' ministry. This is something we talked about several times. If you or somebody you know wants to apply for a part-time role, think about ways, what can you do to boost this, to help get the word out? that we can find the right person to head up our kids' ministry. My wife and I are going to be starting a youth small group this summer. And if you have a, a heart for youth, let us know. And we're going to be uh, trialing, kind of piloting and pioneering, uh, just, a, just a starting off very small in our home this summer. We're going to be running it just like one of our other small groups. And then ideally, we're going to actually ask other people in the church to start hosting that in future semesters and kind of move it around. Um, but maybe that'll be something in a future semester you say, yeah, I'd love to lead that youth small group and invest in some of our young people in the church. Our justice work. So Natalie Sams, if you didn't know, she's pregnant. And she's going to have to be stepping away or changing some of her responsibilities with her justice work. So especially the letter writing stuff, right? So we're going to need somebody to step up. If you've got a heart for justice and you're interested in what we're doing with our prison ministry, we need... Um, 
somebody to help take, take the reins with some of that stuff, right, Natalie? So come and talk to us about that. Uh, mentoring at-risk youth. This is something that this is building on top of um, really what God's already done in us, but this is something that God's put in my heart for a long time, and I just can't get away from it. But I feel like one of the greatest needs our city has is at-risk youth, and I feel like one of the greatest opportunities that all churches have is people power, people who can provide, like, be spiritual parents for young people. And so I'd love to talk to anybody who's got a heart who can help us plug into um, mentoring at-risk youth. We need to relaunch our setup crew. So anyone who likes to do more manual stuff is like, hey, I could head up a setup crew. We want to relaunch our prayer team. We need to pray for people on Sunday mornings. It's not just enough to say text in your prayer request or write your prayer request. It's really important that you have someone lay hands on you and pray and seek God for a word for you, an encouragement for you, a scripture for you, a prophecy for you, something. We want dynamic, supernatural things happening in our church service. And so we need people with a heart for prayer. So if, you, if prayer's on your heart, consider that. We need help with landscaping. If you've got a green thumb and you're like, I want to make it look beautiful, I want to release you into making it look beautiful. We want to uh, come up with a baptism team, and we need to get a baptism heater. We've been, Greg and I have been scheming about different baptism heaters and different things we can do. We need some skills uh, in that area. We want to decorate this back wall here and paint stuff and put up awesome, cool-looking wood things and do all kinds of sweet, cool things with that and make it more aesthetically pleasing. We need help with that. Uh, we need help with our interior lighting in here. We're putting up some spotlights and figuring all that stuff out. If you have experience with that, we're hopefully going to be building an audio-visual booth in the back. We actually recently removed the back pew. We want to build a nice, to honor our tech people, get a really nice booth set up. That's a project that we have in the works as well. We want to build out our conference room. We have a conference room in the bell tower up here. We want to develop that as well. So this involves, some of the stuff involves swinging, swinging a hammer. So if you're, if you're like, hey, I'm just a perfumer, perfect. We've got a hammer for you. Uh, and then repairing our lobby chair. I just added this because just, I want to get a volunteer. Okay, we've got two blue chairs in the lobby. If you haven't noticed, one of the chairs, the side is like coming out. You know, I think it's from Ikea. So, you know, what can you expect? So it's coming out. So can I get a volunteer right now? Someone who's like, I'm going to fix it. I'm just going to make, I'm going to, I don't know. It's a screw. It's really simple. Anyone right now, anyone with a faith to fix it. That's on Americ. Thank you, Merrick. What I love about, thank you, Merrick. Thank you so much. I was really praying you would actually be the one to put your hand up. So what I love is every week that we come to church and it's not fixed, we can all give Eric, Merrick the look. Well, you know, I mean, you said you would in front of everyone. So but I bet Catalina was like this, like, you can do it. <laughs> well done, Lola. All right, that's my epic long, uh, long list there of opportunities. Part of returning to God, let me wrap it all, bring it all up together here and end the longest sermon of all time. How do we, in returning to God, it doesn't require acts of service, acts of sacrifice. And in this passage here, what we see is we see the temple worship and the sacrificial system of bringing these sheep in to, to shed their blood for the people's sin. We see this is rebooting, this is starting again. And it's hard for us to, sometimes it's hard for us in our, with our modern day sensibilities to understand animal sacrifice. And also we, we realize it was only temporary. It was a sign. It was pointing to, fast forwarding to a one time, once and for all blood sacrifice in Jesus. 
And so what, what we see here is we see the sheep are going to be brought back into Jerusalem and slaughtered for the people's sin. And the only reason it worked is because God counted that as righteousness opposed to the people's sin. The only reason it worked is because God is a God of grace. Out of God's grace, he said that he would allow this blood sacrifice to be in exchange for the people's sin. So even though it was a work that they brought, they brought their own sacrifice, and it was temporary for a season. They had to keep giving sacrifices over and over. It was still, the foundation of it was still God's kindness and God's radical grace towards them. He didn't have to provide any means of the forgiveness of sins. He didn't have to count this blood sacrifice as anything worthwhile, but he did. And then when you fast forward to Jesus, you realize Jesus is now the one time, it doesn't have to be repeated ever again, it's the one time blood sacrifice, the righteous life of Jesus given in exchange for our sinful life. These sheep were was slaughtered in the city for the Israelites. Jesus, a stone's throw from the wall that Nehemiah is repairing and rebuilding here, a stone's throw outside of the city, Jesus was crucified, not just for the sins of the Israelites, but he was crucified outside the city for the sins of the whole world, including the Israelites. This is the powerful message of the gospel that we have that Jesus and only Jesus takes away our sin forever. And all the stories, all the events in the Old Testament, they were all pointing to this Messiah, this coming Messiah who would do this one-time sacrifice, this blood sacrifice to free us from our sins. Let's sing and thank Jesus for all that he has done, for this great blood sacrifice on our behalf to free us from our sin. How can you respond today? How can you trust and follow Jesus today? Give your life to Christ today. You know, we're going to be, the, the uh, baskets are coming around right now, so you can turn in that Connect card and that giving envelope. Even if you're not giving today, please go ahead and turn that giving envelope back in uh, so we can reuse those. Feel free to keep the pen and uh, stop putting those p pens in places, right? I want to go into the doctor's office and see the, my uh, Trinity Church pen in my doctor's office. That's what I want to see. So put those pens places. Um, today we're going we're gonna to worship.